It's game day eve, BYU and Arkansas on tap. What to make of this one, where do things tip, we'll get into that. We'll also talk about what's happening with the Big 12, some new scheduling news that emerged yesterday. We got all of that coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Just a reminder for you guys, we have a new sponsor on today's show. Uh, this episode of Locked On Cougars is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between BYU and Arkansas on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for the price that you'll love as well. Try it today. BYU and Arkansas will be on ESPN tomorrow afternoon if you guys do want to check that out. But a big thank you, as always, for taking the time to check out the show. Our goal here on this podcast is, of course, your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. And the goal here is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans in the room. So thank you for your support of the podcast. I'm recording this on Thursday evening, well before Midnight Madness uh, goes off for BYU men's and women's basketball. So if you're out there celebrating and you're watching this on Friday and you're wondering, what, what, are, what are the updates from March for Midnight Madness, Jake? Here's the thing. I'm not staying up for it. I have morning radio to do. I work for the KSL Sports Zone and Salt Lake City is the executive producer of DJ and PK, and I can tell you this much, my 3.30 a.m. alarm comes very, very early, and I'm not staying up till almost midnight to watch Midnight Madness. So, uh, that aside, let's talk about BYU and Arkansas. A huge showdown tomorrow at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. BYU coming off a loss at Notre da- against Notre Dame in Las Vegas. Arkansas coming off three straight SEC losses, and they obviously are sitting at 3-3 three and three on the year. Last night, Baylor lost an uh, absolute thriller in Morgantown to West Virginia and Big 12 action. So BYU strength of schedule, folks. Uh, man, Oregon and Notre Dame, stunningly enough, the ones that are profiting it up. Uh, Baylor fell to three and three on the year. They're one and two in the Big Twelve. As I just mentioned, Arkansas three and three coming into this matchup tomorrow. They're zero and three in the SEC. So that strength of schedule we were talking about going into the season for BYU, not exactly there. But the good news is there's a huge opportunity for BYU to bounce back in this one. I'm going to share this graphic here. Uh, this comes by way of uh, Stats of War. A uh, Parker on Twitter does a great job. And if you aren't watching this, on YouTube. I'll be explaining what he does on Twitter. You can find him at Stats O'War. He does a really good job at evaluating uh, games and letting uh, uh, college football fans kind of see a uh, unique look at the advanced metrics of these matchups e- each week. And he's got BYU and Arkansas in here. And as you're seeing, if you're watching this on YouTube, BYU's win probability in this one, 53.69%. They're actually favored to win this one. Still pretty narrow, though, because it's a 46.31% uh, favor for uh, uh, Arkansas in this one. The spread uh, is currently still sitting with BYU. Our friends over at Bet Online have it as BYU's a favorite by three, and they're favoring BYU just by over a point on this graph, uh, according to CFB Graphs, which is the advanced stats preview. Now, 
There's quite a few red numbers here for both Arkansas and BYU, especially when it comes to their defenses. Uh, Arkansas, the defensive success rate, not exactly what you want to see if you're an Arkansas Razorbacks fan. Defensive, defensive success rate, 103rd in the country. Uh, their defensive uh, net points per drive, 109th. Uh, RROE, which uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's rush rate over expected. How much, you, how much more often uh, did you run than the average team in any given situation? They're 125th in that metric. That's more of an offensive deal. Now, BYU, their offensive success rate, rush, 111th. Defensive success rate, 107th. Uh, pass, 95th, 102nd. It just The numbers for these two defenses in this game scream to me that this could absolutely end up being a shootout of the highest order for BYU and Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson on one side is Arkansas starting quarterback. Jaron Hall on the other for BYU. Both of them uh, could be off the chains good in this one, and it could lead to one of those classic shootouts if this, uh, if these numbers defensively especially uh, kind of bear out that way in favor of uh, the Cougars and the Razorbacks' offenses in this matchup. The, many, the way I kind of see this is it's going to be a very, very good run game for Arkansas uh, going up against BYU. Uh, the thing about this, K.J. Jefferson, I've already talked about him. He is a 240-pound battering ram at quarterback. He is just he's a fantastic athlete with a pretty refined arm, all things considered. He's probably not the most pure quarterback out there in terms of having an arm like Jaron Hall that can attack the field from all angles, but his running ability, it is unparalleled in many ways. It's absolutely phenomenal. he got some decent threats at wide receiver. People have to be aware of that, but I truly believe Arkansas is going to come into this game and do what they have been known to do all year long, and that is run the football. Greg Rebell tweeted it out earlier this week. Outside of the service academies, speaking of Army, Navy, and Air Force, which run that flex bone triple option, and they like to run the ball uh, as much as possible, as much as humanly possible in any given game. In certain circumstances, they'll not even throw a pass. Well, outside of those three, Arkansas is averaging the most rushing attempts in the entire country this year. Sam Pittman, their head coach, he wants a physical, hard-nosed football team that's going to make your life absolutely miserable by running it down your throat. That is what I'm expecting from BYU in this game. Rocket Sanders is their leading running back. they got a good state of backs, uh, speaking of the Razorbacks, but Rocket Sanders, what a great name for a running back. He is their lead ba- uh, lead running back. He may be, in terms of the sheer overall talent, may be one of, if not the best running back BYU faces this year. And I know that's a terrifying prospect to think about when it comes to BYU and their issues in rush defense, but it's going to take BYU really loading the box and forcing Arkansas to throw the football, I feel like, to win this football game. Now, conversely, Arkansas's chief weakness, if you want to uh, label it that on defense is actually in the secondary. They were a very young secondary did not have a lot of guys coming back from last year's team and that's where I think BYU should be attacking in this game. Will Jaron Hall's shoulder, his throwing shoulder, which has been injured, that that is the injury. The injury is in his throwing shoulder, folks. Uh, I've been told it's a sprain of some sort. It could be an AC joint. There's a bunch of different joints in there that can get sprained but if, if he is feeling right and he's got that, uh, they'll probably shoot him up so he's not feeling much pain in that shoulder but if he's able to throw the ball like we have seen him throw it earlier this season versus what we saw against Notre Dame, I think that BYU can have some success through the air in this game. I think Jaron Hall is more than capable of going for 300 yards in this contest. Now, you like to see those 300 yards actually be where you're uh, in the game going back and forth, trading punches rather than trying to throw the football similar to Oregon where you're just trying to catch up in any meaningful way. That, that That's the kind of the difference in terms of those stats when it comes to throwing the football. There can be blowouts where you throw the ball a lot because you're simply just trying to get back into the football game, but I think in a game like this it's going to kind of go strength against strength. The strength for BYU, the passing game on offense. The strength for Arkansas, 
the rush game on their offense. Which of these defenses, speaking of the Razorbacks or the Cougars, can stand tall and force the other team to do what they'd rather not do? And that in BYU's case, I know they'd like to run the football, but the running success, as this metric points out, not so good for BYU. A hundred and let's see, what was it? hundred and eleventh in offensive success rate, folks. Uh, there are only twenty teams worse than BYU in their offensive success rate. That is absolutely abysmal. Six games into this year, uh, and that's the thing. BYU can talk about wanting to improve it, but until they actually get out there on the football field and actually show improvement and show the ability to have better success running the football than 111th in the country, I would say that the passing game is how BYU is going to have to win this football game. Uh, Conversely, BYU's defense, they absolutely have to be able to stop Arkansas's rushing attack. I answered on yesterday's podcast, Big Uncle Pooh asked the question, what is a successful number for BYU on defense in terms of rushing yardage? I think if Arkansas is under 150 yards in this game, there is a decent opportunity that BYU ends up winning it. I think it's going to be a very, very tough game to win for BYU. Obviously, they are smarting from that loss against Notre Dame, kind of ruining uh, missed opportunities in that one. This is a game you get back home, play in front of your home fans. Arkansas coming from about 1,400 feet elevation to almost uh, a mile up in the air. I know it's like 4,400 feet, so another 3,000 feet of elevation. Take advantage of that. Run these guys. Force the defensive backs to be gasping for breath. Is Pukunakua, Gunnar Romney, uh, if Chase Roberts is able to go, I, I'm hearing he's 50-50 on this one, uh, speaking of the injury report there. But like guys like Cody Epps, let them run past these DBs and let them make these guys wear out. In the second half, that's when you start to really open things up. And that's when I think BYU, similar to what I've talked about in the past, when you can throw the ball effectively, that may open up some running lanes to give BYU some more success on the ground. They have to retain possession as well. That, that You cannot have 19 minutes and change of time of possession in a game like this and expect to win it. That's just not going to happen. And if you do that, I would fully expect BYU fans to be booing quite heartily uh, in the stands at LES on Saturday afternoon. I really think that could be a scenario that plays out. But BYU, if they're able to keep time of possession pretty even. If BYU has the ball for 30 minutes and gets the requisite amounts, amount of touches that they usually like to have between 70 and 80 snaps, I think BYU's got a decent shot at doing this. The problem is, the last four games for BYU, what has happened? The opposing team has come in in the first half and absolutely seized control of the game, controlled the tempo, controlled the time of possession, and have limited BYU's overall amount of snaps. BYU's offense has spent a lot of time, and I mean a lot of time, in the first half of games recently on the sidelines. You have to avoid that in this game. It's one of the huge keys, I feel like, in this one. So... There you go. My keys to the game. I guess I probably should lay them out in order. Number one, you got to have time of possession be even or just uh, own it a little bit more. You don't necessarily have to be, have 40 minutes of time, time of possession. I don't think you have to have that. It'd be great if you did, but I think BYU can win this game with about 30 minutes of time of, time of possession if they can manage it. Other thing, keep Arkansas under 150 yards rushing. You have to slow down this rush attack. If I'm Kalani Satake, I'm telling Elisa Tuiaki, Ed Lamb, and whoever the heck else is making these calls on defense, Put seven or eight guys in the box and load it. No more of these five-man boxes. No more of these put, uh, dropping into pass sets on an obvious running down. 
That crap has to end. It's done now. You had the first half of the season. We screwed around. We did a bunch of crap that did not work. This is when we have to lock in. We have to get this game under control. And if the first half goes the way of the other four games, guess what? Arkansas is more than capable of running BYU off the football field, even more so than a Notre Dame, a Wyoming, a Utah State, even an Oregon. This is a team, speaking of Arkansas, who have big hog mollies up front. They will absolutely dominate BYU's defensive line if given the opportunity. So if BYU's smart, and I'm an amateur analyst, but I can tell you this much, if they don't start the game with a seven-man box, I will be just absolutely floored. If they go with a three-man front thinking that we're going to defend this with three defensive linemen, three linebackers, and we're going to drop five guys into coverage, that crap will not work. BYU will get their rear ends kicked. I almost said a a word that I probably shouldn't say on this podcast because there are young years, but they will get their rear ends kicked up and down the football field. Put the four-man front out there, put three linebackers, Keenan Peely, Ben Bywater, Max Tooley, whoever it is, Peyton Wilgar, put them on the football field and say, go stop the rush attack. Go stop it. Force them to throw the football. Make K.J. Jefferson have to win this game on his arm because if he has to do that, the chance for BYU to win this game is exponentially higher than it would have been going into this one. All right, uh, so there you go. There's kind of my keys to the game. We'll get to my predictions here in just a little bit. I do need to take a minute and talk about what's going on with the Big 12 scheduling. Got some news yesterday. Uh, Waiting on the official word on the schedule. I actually answered a question yesterday, and kind of funny enough, the the day I answer a question on that, some news comes out about the schedule for Big 12 football moving forward, including BYU. We'll get to that in just a moment. First, though, a word on BYU and our good friends over at uh, Underside. Not Underside. Underdog Fantasy. There we go. This is the easiest way to spice up the college football season, my friends, and why I include BYU in that is it's got a really, really fun way that you can have some fun with the game against Arkansas or any other BYU football contest this year. What you do is you identify two to five players, pick the over-under on their projections. So, for example, in a game like this for BYU, they may have K.J. Jefferson with 100 rushing yards. Do you think he goes over-under? All you got to do is select that. Do you think that Jaron Hall has over, let's say, 275 passing yards? Pick over-under. And the best part is these contests, you win cold, hard cash in as simple as just one game. That's the incredible part about this. It's super simple, super easy, but you can win the money, and that's the best part about this. So give it a shot, my friends. Get over to Underdog Fantasy and give it an, uh, give it a try. It's easy and available to play in over 30 states nationwide, and it's one of the easiest fantasy games to play out there. And once again, you can win cold, hard cash in just one single game. You don't have to win a certain uh, set number of games to win money. You can win it in the very first contest that you compete in. So get to underdogfantasy.com. While you're there, sign up with the promo code Locked On. That's one word, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and Underdog Fantasy is going to double your first deposit up to $100. Think about that. Deposit $100, get $100. It's really simple. 50-50. You guys know how it goes. So go to underdogfantasy.com right now where you find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store slash Google Play Store and download it now. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code locked on to get that match up to $100 on your first deposit. Get in on the college football pick'em action today and do it with our friends over at Underdog Fantasy. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Always appreciate you guys checking out the show. I probably can take down this graphic now. I, I kind of forgot that I had set up there the whole time. So you've got an extra look if you're on YouTube watching this. Uh, but the biggest thing for BYU in going into the Big 12 is they are obviously going to have to find a, a, a new quarterback. I, I said this on yesterday's podcast. I think Jaron Hall is very much intent on moving on with his playing career into the pro ranks after this season. Now, 
What will that entail schedule-wise for BYU as they move forward in the Big 12 with a new quarterback? Well, that could very well be the case where you could see either an Oklahoma or a Texas coming to Provo under the new uh, uh, scheduling that's been laid out. Ross Dellinger from Sports Illustrated uh, tweeted this out, wrote a story on it. says the Big 12 is finalizing a scheduling model that is going to feature no divisions. So there'll be 14 teams competing for the top two spots to play in the Big 12 championship with Oklahoma and Texas as a member of the conference for uh, 2023 and 2024. It'll protect regular rivalries. So Red River rivalry between Texas and Oklahoma protected. You guys get all that. Kansas, Kansas State, all that. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. But it also includes this. Every school would play the other in at least at least once in the two years, meaning that you could have matchups, potentially like a Texas BYU or a Texas Oklahoma in Provo. Think uh, Texas Oklahoma. Yeah, no, not Texas Oklahoma in Provo. Oklahoma BYU in Provo. But the good news is this is a phenomenal, phenomenal way I think that the Big 12 is going about the scheduling. They're going to force, I think, some of these uh, old guards. Speaking of Oklahoma and Texas, the big dogs who are moving on to the SEC. Well, guess what? They may end up having to play in places like Orlando, Florida and Provo, Utah in their final one or two seasons as members of the Big 12 Conference. And I absolutely love it. They're, they're not going to do them any favors in terms of being like, well, how do you want us to schedule things for you guys? That's I'm actually kind of glad that the Big 12 is going about this this way. Bigger thing is that divisionless uh, setup. Uh, there were some reports out there, uh, I believe that earlier this season, I'm trying to think who it was. It might have been Bob Bowlesby who said that uh, BYU or somebody said that there was going to be seven team divisions uh, with the new schools coming in for at least the first two years. But I think that divisionless schedule is actually a phenomenal idea for the Big 12 because it gives the opportunity for those games against everybody. You play in a round-robin round robin format over at least the for, uh, two years that Oklahoma and Texas are scheduled to still be in the conference. And then when you drop back to the 12 teams in 2025 and beyond, you can continue to kind of that rotation and have these teams play on a regular basis. No more of this SEC where uh, teams like Missouri and Georgia, I think they've played like what, once or twice in nine years. That type of stuff goes by the wayside here. And I expect that the SEC is going to follow the model that the Pac-12 is gone. ACC has already announced this. They're getting rid of their divisions. They're going to go to a pod scheduling system. And that's probably more of what the SEC will try to do. But I think that this is the way to go in the future, especially with the fact that you don't have to have divisions to have a conference championship game. All you need is the top two teams to play for it. Uh, in previous iterations of these conference races, think about it. There were times that the, the the Big 12 had two teams on one side of the bracket in a division, Texas and Oklahoma. Maybe that one's 11-1, and one, one's 10-2, and two, and you'd like to have those two competing for the Big 12 title, but you've probably got in the other division, let's say a 7-5 and five Arkansas, not Arkansas, Kansas State. That's not what you want for your Big 12 title game. You'd rather have those two big dogs going toe-to-toe in Arlington there at AT AT&T Stadium, and that's the way things are setting up, it appears, for the Big 12. I think this is a phenomenal way that things are going. Now, let me also caution that according to Dellinger, this has not been ratified. It's not been set in stone. There are still uh, finalizations taking place on this, but the the agreement was, so quote, Conference executives agreed on the temporary two-year format during meetings earlier this week in Dallas, sources tell Sports Illustrated. They have not officially adopted the model and are still finalizing the details. It's as good as done. That's the way it reads to me, but it's just not done quite yet. Could there be a wrench thrown into this where something happens? Sure, but... 
I think this is actually a really phenomenal way for things to go. And the other thing about this, when it comes to the BYU side of things, is that this is going to give more opportunities for BYU to find more exposure in the conference. BYU could be playing a game in Orlando against UCF. They could be going to Morgantown to take on West Virginia. I am all for BYU getting a, a, around the conference as often as possible to play these games because it gives more, I guess, spice and life to the conference. You don't get stuck in a division where you're playing Texas, Tech, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma State. You're not stuck in the Midwest. You can go to the East Coast, go to UCF in Florida. You can go to West Virginia out there in uh, out there in Morgantown. You can go to Cincinnati. You can get to these other places. You can go to Houston, etc. It gives more opportunities, more exposure, and better matchups, frankly, in many circumstances to have the rotations here. It's never going to be perfect because there are going to be years that teams are going to miss a team or, or teams that may be top contenders, and that's actually going to give that team that misses those squads a leg up in the conference race, but that's kind of how things are going to go here. So if BYU can uh, manage to stay competitive early on in this Big 12 era, and there are huge question marks as to how competitive BYU ultimately will be because Okay, let me also explain. Let me add this. I was of the opinion that BYU had built a better foundation as a program going into this season than they had at any point. I thought that, hey, this foundation is really as uh, solid as I think it is. It's going to set the tone for BYU to be a pretty competitive squad in the Big 12 right away. Now, I don't think that foundation, just based on what I've seen through six games, is quite as solid as I anticipated it being. This is still a program that's 4-2, and two, but there are cracks, there are, uh, there, there are things that have me wary of going into the Big 12 and BYU's immediate uh, opportunity to compete right away. Do I think BYU can be a 6-6 six and six and a 7-5 and five team? annually in the Big 12? I absolutely think that. I think that's where BYU's floor should be with regards to going into the Big 12. But will they be a team that immediately is competing for 9, 10 wins? Mm, Seems like a stretch there, especially if what I believe to be is going to be a talent exodus out of the program after this year. Not because of guys transferring, just because guys are getting older and getting kind of antsy to start their professional careers. You have a number of return missionaries on this year's team that the clock is uh, ticking with regards to their opportunities to capitalize on NFL money. So, I think that the Big 12, yes, it's an exciting model. Uh, it'd be fantastic to have an Oklahoma or a Texas in one of their two final years in the conference playing in Provo. That would be an absolute home run game for BYU to have a sellout, to have an incredible crowd, that type of stuff. My only concern is, is BYU going to be, what, 4-4 four and four in that game going up, going up against a team that's maybe, what, Seven and four, I, seven and four. No, it can't be seven and four and eight and four. I mean, regardless, don't do math on the air. I, I was taught that early on in my radio career. Probably should extend that to my podcast sphere. sphere but I would love, and trust me, Oklahoma and Texas have not been world beaters. That they, they've not been the power uh, bullies that you'd expect them to be. But they have huge brand names, and the opportunity to have them potentially playing in places like Provo, Orlando, Cincinnati, Houston, that. I'm all on board with. So I think this is a really, really good thing if you're a BYU fan, a Big 12 fan, looking forward to the future schedule. Now, also, uh, I missed this. So and I'll give a tip of the cap to my good friend Mitch Harper over at KSLSports.com. Uh, Kirby Hocutt, who is the Texas Tech AD, actually told the Lubbock Avalanche Journal, the uh, newspaper down there in Lubbock, that the Big 12 schedule actually could be delayed until January before they announce it. Uh, we originally were hearing that from Bob Bowlesby that the 2020 23 schedule will be coming out this month, but hey, 
we're at mid-month and we still have not seen that. So I guess I should be uh, thinking that it might be uh, pushed back a little bit. But if this is already the way things are going, what Ross Dellinger is reporting, that they've already agreed on the format here, well, get it set in stone and announce it. I would love nothing more than to already be breaking down what BYU's chances are if they are going to be playing road games in Manhattan, Kansas, Cincinnati, uh I don't know, wherever. I, I just want to see where BYU is going to be playing games. They already know their non-conference schedule. It's a home game against Sam Houston State, a home game against Southern Utah, and a road game at Arkansas. Give me the other nine. I want to start talking about it. I know that we're half, we're only halfway through this current season, but the end of Independence, it, it, it's right there, folks. It's the, the finish line is right over there, and I, for one, cannot wait to start breaking down the Big 12 era for BYU. I, I'm not saying that we need to ignore these games and wish them to go faster. I'm just saying, I am very, very excited to see BYU in the Big 12. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll round out the week with some final news and notes on BYU Sports Beyond Football, and also my prediction for BYU and Arkansas. We'll get to all of that as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. All right, before we go here on Locked on Cougars, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in BYU sports. As I mentioned, uh, if you're looking for an update on how uh, Midnight Madness went, if you didn't catch it off the top of the show, I did not stay up for it. I'm recording this on Thursday night for Friday, so I don't have much for you. I'll probably talk a little bit more about that if anything crazy happens over the weekend on a Monday edition of the show. But what I am looking forward to is a big weekend for other BYU sports. And that's the positive, is we are right in the heart of when... And the sports calendars get absolutely just jam-packed. Think about it in the pro ranks. We've got NFL football going on. we got college football. we got MLB playoffs. NBA begins next week. We are having just the, the epic crossover of all the major sports, but it also is happening for BYU. Men's and women's swimming and diving are hosting TCU in a dual meet at the Richards Building Pool this weekend. That started yesterday, continues on today. Women's volleyball was in action in uh, St. Mary at St. Mary's yesterday. Men's and women's cross country are at Wisconsin today for the Nutty Cone Wisconsin Invitational. Invitational at the Thomas Zimmer Championship course that's taking place this afternoon. Uh, both the men's and women's cross-country teams are absolutely elite once again this year for BYU. Women's softball is playing uh, their uh, fall schedule. They're hosting the College of Southern Idaho at Gail Miller Field tonight at 5 o'clock. There's a Facebook live stream if you'd like to tune into that or get out to Gail Miller Field. I think tickets are free if you want to tune into that. Women's volleyball in action tomorrow against Pacific. I already mentioned BYU football taking on Arkansas. Women's soccer hosts Portland tomorrow night who are the 15th ranked pilots coming in who have never beaten BYU at uh, Southfield. So a big game there for the BYU women's soccer program. So it is a huge weekend, folks. If you want to support other BYU teams, there are opportunities up and down just the schedule. Go to BYUcougars.com and just look at the bevy of options. I didn't even mention the BYU men's and women's tennis teams. They are in Albuquerque, New Mexico this weekend. Oh, excuse me. Men's tennis in Albuquerque, women's tennis in Las Vegas for the ITA regionals. Uh, it's a big opportunity for them to show off against their uh, regional rivals that we're talking in the mountain uh, area schools. Big opportunity for the men's and women's tennis programs. The schedule is jam-packed. So if you have an opportunity and you have the want to, Get out and support the BYU teams outside of the football program. I talked about it yesterday on the show that I, my numbers this week in terms of the overall downloads slash uh, views on YouTube haven't been great. And I, I'm not, and some people actually sent me a note saying, are, are you complaining about that? No, I'm not complaining. I, I, I was just using that to make a point that I feel like a lot of BYU fans have been really burned by that Notre Dame loss, even more than the Oregon loss. In some ways, the loss to Notre Dame, even as close as it was, it was harder to stomach, I think, for most BYU 
you fans. Then in Oregon game, we got absolutely curb stomped, and it was just a, it wasn't even a contest from the, the what the first or second uh, drive for Oregon. At that point, you're like, oh wow, we're under it already for BYU. The, the thing I I didn't mean to complain about the download numbers. So let me also clarify that is that wasn't me saying you guys need to download the show. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I am a person that I'm not all about the metrics. I absolutely adore and love doing this podcast. I would do it if I had 10 people watching it. I'll be frank. I just love talking about BYU. I was using it more. I probably should have clarified this earlier. I was using it more to explain that I really think that some BYU fans are a little jaded after that Notre Dame loss and probably have checked out more so than they did when they got absolutely obliterated by Oregon. And I I don't blame you. I, I don't blame BYU fans for it because trust me, Fool me once, shame on me. Fool me, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. That that's kind of the scenario that's going on right now. It seems like Groundhog Day in many ways for BYU. They say one thing, they do another. They they we're gonna we're gonna play cleaner on this side of things. Same thing happens the very next week. So I get why BYU fans might be a little bit uh, burnout, checked out, uh, apathetic. I, I don't know what your feeling is on the Cougars right now. But there's an opportunity. If there's other BYU teams you want to support, uh, go support them. That's the thing. Is these student-athletes, beyond the football team, they're putting their heart and soul into the sports that they play. I'm married to a former BYU athlete. She played softball. And I, I uh, trust me, softball wasn't necessarily crazy high on my radar at BYU before meeting my wife. But now that I know what she did to play softball at an extremely high level, all that stuff. I have a newfound appreciation for every single student athlete at Brigham Young University. And I hope that you guys can support these athletes. Football may be your pride and joy, and it's my pride and joy. Uh, I think I've made it very, very clear that football, that's what drives this show. That's what drives me to talk about BYU, but there are other sports out there. So if you're a little bit out on the BYU football program, maybe find one of the other teams and support them. The women's soccer program has been very, very good for many, many years. The women's volleyball program, I'll tell you, college volleyball, it is lights out. It is a ton of fun to watch women's uh, college volleyball played at an elite level, and that's what BYU is doing right now. So maybe give those an opportunity. Um, I'll get off my soapbox here, but I didn't mean to get, necessarily get on a rant about this, but if there is something that's uh, driving you nuts about BYU football, maybe give one of the other sports a shot and see if that might be the cure for what ills you when, when it comes to watching your beloved Cougars on the gridiron. But uh, before we go here, my, my prediction real quick. I think this is game BYU can win. I, I really do. And I went into that Notre Dame game last week thinking that, okay, BYU's got the ability to win this game tight. I think if Jaron Hall and that offense had more touches in that game, it might have been a very different game. But credit to Notre Dame. They went out and absolutely dominated BYU, especially in terms of the time of possession, rushing the football, retaining the ball, all that stuff. They made it near impossible for BYU to get the requisite amount of touches to win that game. This game is going to be critical for BYU to get those touches. If they do, I think BYU wins this one. I think they're 5-2 and two after this week. My prediction, I'm giving BYU 35, Arkansas 27. I think that this could be a pretty high-scoring affair. I think both offenses are going to have success, albeit in different facets. I think BYU with Jaron Hall throwing the football, uh, ostensibly healthier, should be able to find uh, more targets for guys like Puka Nakua, Gunnar Romney, etc. Whoever is out there. The thing about this, they could have whoever sit out in this game, and I'm I'm still going to have confidence in BYU's passing game. That I know that sounds like poppycock and crazy to say, but 
the evidence is there that BYU can kind of throw anybody out there in that wide receiving core right now, and they're going to have success in doing so. Now, I also expect Arkansas to run the football very effectively, but I just think that if BYU gets enough of those touches, they get the 30 minutes of time of possession, the, uh, the 70 to 80 plays that they typically uh, aspire to have, if not more than that, they get up to like 90 plays, great. But if they get those requisite amount of touches, I like BYU's chances in this, this one. So let me know your guys' predictions. Send them in on YouTube, the comments. You guys were absolutely phenomenal yesterday. The, the comments were flying yesterday on YouTube. Also saw a bunch of them on social media. You can send those into social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Locked on Cougars is the Twitter handle, uh, Facebook handle, and Instagram handle. It's really simple to find. So 35-27, BYU wins. They move to 5-2 and two is my prediction. We'll see how it all plays out. We'll have, of course, I'll be on pre- and post-game coverage for The Zone. Uh, I'll be doing that on 97.5 FM and 1280 AM if you want to tune into that tomorrow afternoon and morning. And also, we'll have a postcast edition of the podcast for you guys after the game tomorrow evening as well. So that'll do it. Uh, thank you for your support as always. Kind of a off the wall a podcast in many ways, but very much looking forward to this matchup. 1.30 ESPN, BYU and Arkansas. Let's do this. First ever matchup between these two and hoping that BYU makes it a 5-2 and two record rather than 4-3 and three as we reconvene on Saturday evening slash Monday morning when it comes to the next editions of Locked On Cougars. Thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Make Locked On Big 12 your second listen. Get ready for the weekend ahead in all things Big 12 football with Josh Neighbors. Get that free and available wherever you get your podcasts just like this one. It's also available on YouTube, just like this show as well. That'll do it for me. Have a great day. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.